What a beautiful day the Lord has made. Amen. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. And let's expect the Lord to move in our midst. Uh, let's, I hope the Lord woke you up with just a sense of expectation in your spirit that he was going to meet you here, that through his word he was going to give you something to hold on to and to grow closer to him. So let's stand and let's pray and ask God to do all that he desires to do in this place. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we come, Lord, humbly before your throne of grace and asking for mercy in this time of need. And we need you today more than ever before, God. We pray that you would give us this day our daily bread. Lord, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year has its own cares, its own worries, its own fears. But right here, right now, we want to seek you. And we know that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And so, God, Our prayer this morning is that none would leave not hearing from you, not experiencing you in a real and powerful way. I pray that your spirit would fall in this place, Lord, that you would set people free from any and all forms of bondage. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation, that you would remove the scales from their eyes, that they would see you for who you are, Lord, that... Lord, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and your arms are open wide saying, come to me and that you are good. May they taste and see of your goodness today. Lord, I do pray, Lord, anyone here who's discouraged, depressed, Lord, that they would find joy in you, Lord. Any physical infirmities, anybody who just needs a touch, Lord. These are things that only you can do by the power of your spirit. And so, Lord, your people woke up this morning, couldn't wait to come to worship you and to hear from you. And I pray, Lord, as we have that sense of expectation, the same heart that the woman had who fought through the crowd just to touch the hem of your garment, immediately she was healed. I pray that we would have that sort of faith, that we'd reach out and touch you, that we would seek you like never before. And so, God, Fill this place with your presence. We pray all this in Jesus' name. We all say, amen. Good morning, Calvary Chapel West Grove. I search the world, but it couldn't fill me. And man's empty praise and treasures of faith. Are never enough. Then you came along and put me back together. And every desire is now satisfied here in your love. Sing, oh, there's nothing. Oh, there's nothing better. Is the God of the valley, and there's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again.
Receive all right. 
kingdoms, all creation standing now, lifting up your name. We're caught up in the angels' songs, we're gathered to your ancient children in our Father's arms, shouting out your praise. Let's sing every soul you've saved, every soul you saved, sings out everything you You are worthy of it all. 
from you are all things And to you are all things You deserve the glory All the saints
Lord, to your spirit, Lord, may we be sensitive to your calling, Lord, that where you tell us to go, we will go. Lord, I just pray now over the offering as well, Lord, that you would um, just continue to use it, Lord, for your ministry, Lord, to further your kingdom. Lord, we just thank you again for this place, Lord, this sanctuary, this safe space that we get to just fall at your feet, Lord. Lord, may you just prepare our hearts for your word. Lord, may we be so excited, Lord, to hear from you every day. Lord, not just on Sundays, not just on Wednesdays. 
but every day. Lord, so we thank you again. Lord, for even the most tiny things, Lord, that we overlook, Lord. May we just continue to to thank you for every good and perfect thing in our life. Lord, because it comes from you. Lord, so just be with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and greet. It is so good to be here. I can't even tell you how good it feels to be here. We love you guys so much. We love this place so much. We miss you so much. Don't think that the love is any less now that we're gone. If anything, it's deeper and stronger. Don't think that our prayers for you are any less now that we're gone. If anything, they're with more passion and more affection than ever. Um, you've got Eric as a senior pastor. You need a lot of prayer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. It's, uh, it's, hard, it's hard being away and, and not knowing what's going on here. I can relate to the Apostle Paul and what was going on in his heart when he was far away from churches that he had planted. Uh, he wrote to... Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 5, and he said, now I want the younger widows to get married and to have children and to keep house and not give the enemy any occasion for reproach for some have already fallen away and are following after Satan. So he knew, he knew what the enemy of God and God's people was capable of. He knew there would be constant attacks upon their faith because our faith is our lifeline to God and our lifeline to heaven. And so our enemy is just relentlessly assaulting us and uh, attacking our faith. And Paul didn't just know that doctrinally it's possible that people could fall away. He knew that some had turned aside People he had led to Christ that were following Jesus that were now following Satan. And so he, he carried this burden with him. You know, he wrote in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 about all the physical pain uh, because of persecution for, for the sake of the gospel. And then he said, in addition to all these external things, there is the daily pressure upon me of concern for the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? And I can relate now to what Paul was feeling in his great love for, for those churches. And he couldn't be with them and he didn't know exactly what was going on there. And so... He wrote to the church in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and he said, when I could endure it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I couldn't stand not knowing how you're doing any longer, and I had to send a messenger to find out how you're doing, to find out about your faith. He knew that's what was going to be coming under attack. And then he said, for fear that the tempter may have tempted you and our work may have been in vain. And that, he, 
There was that fear in his heart, and, and a lot of the fear that we live with is illegitimate. And if we really knew the love of God, and we really knew his promises, and we really trusted in his promises, we wouldn't live with those fears. But there are some legitimate fears. Um, Paul said, I fear lest as the serpent tempted Eve, that some of your minds should be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. So I, had to, I couldn't stand any longer. I had to send someone to find out uh, about your faith for fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our work might have been in vain. All, he realized that all that work that he had done in establishing that church, at least for some, might have been in vain. And, and now I can relate to the Apostle Paul and, and I'm not here and I, I kind of thrive on the, on the phone calls and the emails and you know, Paul didn't have, he didn't have telegraph in his day, you know, and, and we sort of live for those reports that we're getting about the church at, at West Grove. And our hearts are so full of joy because we are getting so many praise reports about what a great job Pastor Eric is doing and in leading the church and feeding the flock. What a great job. Amen. We get so many praise reports about all the pastors and how all their ministries are bearing so much fruit. We get so many praise reports about Dave and Daphne and the children's ministry, how God is bringing new families with children every week. We, we, we thrive on the praise reports about how there's this, there's this feeling of unity and love and harmony and, and peace in the church and, and how there's this, this excitement within the church about this new, fresh work that God is doing. And, and we really thrive on that. We, we live for that. Uh, Paul at one point said, when the messenger came back with a good report, he said, now we really live knowing that you stand firm in the Lord. And so um, that's, why he, that's why he said to... Uh, again, the church in Thessalonica, the first Thessalonians chapter two, he said, who are our hope, our joy, and our crown of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of the Lord Jesus at his coming? In other words, nothing could bring more joy to the heart of any pastor than the joy that is gonna fill my heart, when I see you there on that day, standing there with Jesus, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, being welcomed and received into the kingdom of heaven, nothing could possibly bring me more joy. So I just want to say that Janice and I are thrilled with all the praise reports we're getting about the spiritual health and how the church is, is, is thriving. Um, a report as far as how we're doing. Uh, for me personally, I have had a wonderful life. I have had a really blessed life. Along with all the hardships and afflictions that come our way, you know, in life, I've had a wonderful life. But I gotta tell you, I have never been happier than I am now. I had no idea. I had no idea how much we were gonna love Tennessee. Now, first of all, 
we're close to our family. We've always been very close with our son and being 2,000 miles away has been very, very difficult. And now we get to see him all the time and our beautiful uh, um, daughter-in-law. Is that the title? Daughter-in-law. I was going to say stepdaughter. Whoa, that's not right. <laughs> Taylor is the sweetest thing in the world, and she is so good to us and makes us feel so loved, and we get to be with her, and, and we get to be with our little Presley. A uh, year and a half now. And, you know, it's that age where every week there's something new. She's saying something new or doing something new. We don't have to miss out on all that anymore. We don't have to survive on little video clips once in a while or pictures once in a while. We get to be there and see it all and, and be a part of her life. Now, I know, I understand that, that grandparents can be a little obnoxious, right? You know, with, do you want to see a picture, you know, of my grandchild? And it can be a little annoying unless... The grandchild is as cute and sweet and fun and smart as, as Presley, and then it's a total blessing. You know. People aren't annoyed, they just want to see more. So I have no guilt or shame in showing you just a couple of little video clips right now of Presley. Okay, now the first one is the case of the eerie puzzle, and the second one is the case of the toy vacuum gone wild. Get him, Presley. Get in your foot. <laughs> bang, bang. <laughs> Yay! Turn it, 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 the cutest thing you've ever seen and and what's sweeter than a child's laughter right and, and we get to we get to be a part of that all the time we get to go over there every Monday and every Thursday for three or four hours give Taylor a break do whatever she wants to do and just play with Presley so that's one of the reasons why we are so happy I think uh, maybe my favorite part of retirement is morning devotions. I don't have to be anywhere at any certain time. I'm retired now. I get to spend as much time with the Lord as I want. Um, evening devotions are wonderful, but they're pretty much the same. But morning devotions, I can spend as much time in the Word, in worship, and in prayer. And I've never felt closer to God and never experienced the goodness of God as much as now. 
But we all know that the deepest sense of fulfillment in life comes from serving the Lord, right? There is no deeper level of fulfillment. The most rewarding thing we could ever do is get involved in some ministry where God is using us to make a difference in people's lives uh, for Christ, to be used by God for the building of the kingdom of God. Nothing so richly satisfies. And so um, my prayer is that God will find a way to continue to use me even in my old age. I am clinging to this scripture in Psalm 72, or excuse me, Psalm 92, where David said, the righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like the cedar in Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. And in his old age, he will bear much fruit. He will be full of sap and very green. So my prayer is that I will be very sappy in my old age. <laughs> and I cling to that promise. Now that's a promise to a righteous man. So I have to keep my walk close to the Lord. But if I do that, I know he's going to answer that prayer. And uh, he's going to continue to use me to the day of my dying breath. David prayed in Psalm 71, and it's, it's a prayer that's very dear to my heart right now because he was older in age when he wrote this psalm and prayed this prayer, and he said, um, I'm so nervous, I haven't done this for a while. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, he said, you have taught me from my youth and I still proclaim thy wondrous deeds. O oh God, even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me until I have declared thy strength to this generation and thy power to all who are to come. And, and oh man, I can relate to David. Okay, that's my prayer, God. Uh, you've taught me from my youth and I spent my whole life trying to tell the whole world how good you are but please don't forsake me until I've had a chance to declare how good and wonderful you are to this generation and to those who are to come. So what I'm doing is I'm doing some writing. And I've had this book on my heart uh, for two or three years, um, but I kept saying the needs of the ministry take priority. I don't have time, I don't have time. Well, now God's still small voice is saying, you can't really use that excuse anymore, can you? So I'm doing some writing, and I almost stopped. I felt silly and foolish in the beginning. What do you know about writing a book? You know, some publisher's going to look at this and try hard not to laugh. Um, Who's going to buy a book from some obscure author nobody's ever heard of? I, this is silly. But then I thought, maybe that's the enemy. And so I kind of pushed through that. And then I started getting really excited. Because I got these revelations, insights, and revelations start coming from the Lord. Mostly in my morning devotions, but that pertain to this book. So now I'm starting to get excited that this could be something that God can use. And here's my prayer. My prayer is, this is bold, my prayer is, God, 
I'm asking you to use me to minister to more people during my retirement years than you did during all my years pastoring a church. Well, that's asking a lot. But we have a big God who loves to do and is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we could ask or imagine. So um, as we are praying so fervently and with such love and affection for you and, and for this church, would you do me a favor and, you know, put me on your prayer list if I'm not there already and pray for this book that it'll, it is, if it's not from the Lord, it's going to go nowhere. But if this is from God, it's, it's something that could actually accomplish something that God could use in these last days. So would you pray with me that this would be from the Holy Spirit and, and there would be something on every page of this book that would minister to the one or two people who end up reading it. <laughs> but I just want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about the goodness of God. I've always wanted people to know how good God is. I, I started seeking the Lord when I was 20 years old. I gave my life to the Lord when I was 20. I experienced his goodness all these years. But now it's more than ever. I walk around shaking my head all day long, just shaking my head. God, you're so good. Why are you so good to me? Why do you love me so much? I want the whole world to know how good God is. I think one of the best kept secrets in the whole world is the goodness of God, don't you? Because if everybody knew how good God is, everybody would love him, everybody would want to serve him and obey him and live for him. It's one of the best kept secrets in the world. And if I want the whole world to know the goodness of God, how much more do I want you, my beloved brothers and sisters in Christ here at West Grove, to be walking around. You be those believers walking around just shaking your head, marveling at the goodness of God in your life. But I can't talk to you about the goodness of God without talking to you about the importance of seeking after God with all your heart. Those who are not actively seeking after God are missing out. In fact, they're looking at people that are so filled with the joy of the Lord and going, what's, what's that all about? I don't get that. I don't have that in my life. God created us to be seekers. God planted a seeker chip within every human being. And collectively as a human race, uh, generically we're all seeking after the same thing happiness and fulfillment in life. Everybody's seeking the same thing. But with regard to specifics, different people are seeking after different things because people have different ideas of where that happiness and fulfillment is going to come from. And God is saying, seek after me. I know better than you do what's going to fulfill you and give you happiness and a rewarding life on this earth. Remember what Paul, Paul's message to the Stoic and Epicurean philosophers on Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17? He said, God created from one man, a reference to Adam, God created from one man every nation of mankind to live upon the earth, Acts chapter 17, and he determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation for what reason? That they should seek God. 
He made us seekers. He put us here on this earth. And then he told us, seek after me with all your heart. That they should seek God. If perhaps they should grope for him, though he's not far from anyone. Now, people just don't believe that they're going to find what they're looking for, that happiness and fulfillment in life by seeking after God. They just don't believe that. So they're off seeking after other things. And they end up miserable. They end up living their lives in vain. Psalm 10, verse 4. The wicked in the countenance or in the haughtiness of his countenance does not seek him. All his thoughts are there is no God. He doesn't want to believe there's a God. He's hoping there's no God, because if there is a God, then he needs to repent and get right with God, or he's going to be judged and punished by God for his, his sins. So in the haughtiness of his countenance, he won't seek God, because he if he seeks God, he might find him, and he doesn't want to know there's a God. And in Psalm 14, verse 2, the Lord looks down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand who seek after God. But they've all turned aside together. They have become corrupt. Nobody believes that that is what is going to fulfill them and make them whole as a human being. So they're off after seeking after the temporal things that this world has to offer and the temporal pleasures that this world has to offer instead of seeking after God. And, and so God just, his eyes go to and fro throughout the entire earth on behalf of those whose hearts are toward him. He's just looking for people who get it, who understand who are seeking after him because he's looking for people he can bless. He's looking for people whose lives he can fill up with his goodness. So I can't talk to you about knowing the goodness of God in your life unless I first talk to you about the importance of seeking after God with all your heart. Not just seeking after God one hour a week on Sunday mornings. If you do that, you'll experience a little bit of God's goodness in your life. But if you seek after him more than you seek after anything this world has to offer, and seeking after God in his word and in prayer, in your devotional life, it's just an important part, the most important part of every day of your life. That's when you're going to experience the goodness of God to the point where you feel like you can't contain it all. David said, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's just looking for people who are seeking after him with all of their heart. David, he knew the goodness of God and he was overwhelmed. He was constantly amazed at how good God was to him. Why did David get to experience the goodness of God to that degree in his life. Psalm 27, verse 8. When thou didst say to me, seek my face, my heart said to thee, thy face, O Lord, I will seek. So it was, there was a point in his life where David made a decision and a commitment. I am going to spend my life on this earth seeking after God. And he did. And that's why he was always so overwhelmed with the goodness of God. And, and that's how I feel now at this point in my life. 
I want everyone to know how good God is. That's what David said in Psalm 34, verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, I just want everyone to have a taste of the goodness of the Lord. And then he explains how that can happen in verse 10. Psalm 34, verse 10. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who what? They who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. How cool is that? Shall not be in want of any good thing. That means if there's any truly good thing that life has to offer, God will bring it into your life. Now, there are some things that appear good on the surface that are not. They're very bad for you, and they will ruin your life, and God warns us of those things, and we better listen to him. But anything that is truly, truly good, God promises to bring it into your life. You'll be lacking nothing that is truly good. And this is one of the keys to evangelism because your life will be so rich and so full, you'll just be wanting to talk to everybody about how good God is. And then people will want to know the Lord. Because they'll want what you have. It's the key to evangelism. Psalm 67, 7. God blesses us that the ends of the earth may fear him. Okay, here's my plan of evangelism. Will you let me use you to win the world to Christ? Okay, what do I have to do? Well, you're going to have to let me bless you. God blesses us that the ends of the earth may fear him. Asa was a great king. He was a godly man. He tore down all the foreign altars in the land of Israel. He removed all the idols, turned the hearts of the people to God. And so God sent Ahaziah the prophet to him with this message. The Lord is with you when you are with him. (laughs) Sounds simple, but how profound. Well, That makes sense. The Lord is with you when you are with him. And if you seek him, big if, if you seek him, he will let you find him. That means you'll come to know the love of God, how much God loves you. That means you'll come to know the goodness of God in your life. If you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, He will forsake you. Are we getting these scriptures up? Okay, this is, uh, (laughs) I forgot to give the reference. Second Chronicles chapter 15. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Wait a minute, I thought the Bible says God will never leave you or forsake you. That's for those who love him. That's for those who want a relationship with him and want to live for him. But those who want nothing to do with God, I don't care, if, even if there is a God, I don't care, I want nothing to do with God. I'm not gonna let anybody tell me how to live my life, whether it's God or anybody else. Okay, but you're cutting yourself off from God, from God, and you could remain cut off from God forever. If you forsake him, he will forsake you. Uzziah was a godly king. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, led the nation in the ways of the Lord. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, we read, and he continued to seek the Lord. See, that was the key. 
Sometimes we're, we're new in the Lord and we're brand new Christians. We're excited. We're going to church on Sunday. We're going to one or two Bible studies during the week. We're getting in our devotions every single day and we're just enjoying the goodness of the Lord and then we get lazy and we get complacent and we don't continue seeking the Lord with all of our hearts. And then we start missing out on a lot of the good things that God had for us. He continued seeking the Lord, and as long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. How cool is that? Remember, God is no respecter of persons. God shows no partiality. This could be your legacy. This could be the epitaph on your tombstone. And as long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. As long as she sought the Lord, God prospered her. God is so good. On the other hand, Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, was a wicked king. He didn't want anything to do with God, and he led the nation back into idolatry. All that was corrupt and perverse in the pagan religions of the day. And when we get to 2 Chronicles 12, we read this. He did evil because he did not set his heart to seek the Lord. Now, that's what's going to happen to us if we get lazy and we stop seeking the Lord. We have good intentions, but we're going to end up giving in to the flesh and giving in to temptation. We're going to do evil if we do not set our heart to seek the Lord because we're going to be battling the flesh, the world, and the evil one in our own strength. We're going to be trying to resist the multiple temptations that come our way every day in our own strength. He did evil because he did not set his heart to seek the Lord. So if we're going to experience the goodness of God to where we're just shaking our heads, marveling at how good God is, we are going to have to walk in obedience. There's an obedient child and a disobedient child. They're equally loved by their parents. And the disobedient child of God is equally loved by God, his heavenly father. But whom he loves, he disciplines. And unfortunately, he's going to have to spend the time chastening that disobedient son instead of rewarding him and blessing him the way he wants to. So yes, we do have to be walking in obedience to be filled with the goodness of God. But what's the key to obedience? Seek him. 1 Chronicles 16, 11. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. And when we're seeking the Lord, we have an abundance of supernatural strength from God. And we're able to resist those temptations and walk in the ways of the Lord and be a godly person and live a godly life and enjoy the goodness of the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you want to have a good, close, happy marriage? Of course you do. Do you want to have a close, loving, happy family? Of course you do. Do you want to be able to pay your bills and have your physical material needs met? Of course you do. Do you want to be prospered and have success in your career? Of course you do. Then, Matthew 6, 33, seek first 
his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you because that's who God is. That's his nature. God is good and he longs to fill our lives up to overflowing with good things. Even believers can become carnal. I'm a believer, I'm still saved, but man, I, I found that I'm seeking after the temporal things of this world and the temporal pleasures of this world more than God. And I'm just, I've lost it. I've lost the joy of the Lord in my life. And so finally, Hebrews eleven six. without faith it is impossible to please God. And he who comes to God must believe that he is. Obviously, you've got to believe that he exists. And what else do you need to believe? that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I love the King James translation on that verse. The rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if you're, if you're a believer and you're no longer diligently seeking God more than anything else in life, all you can do is wonder and speculate at the reward you're missing out on. He's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And that's how simple it is. I just wanted to talk to you a little bit today about the goodness of the Lord. I'm at a time in my life I'm just so overwhelmed and amazed. Just walking around shaking my head every day. God, you are so good to me. And I want that so much for your people, okay? Then go to West Grove and remind them that they need to be seeking after me with all their heart. I am convinced of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it unto the day of Christ. He who began a what kind of work? A good work. That's the only kind of work he can do because that's his nature and he's good. The only kind of work he can do is a good work. And he starts a good work and he promises to finish a good work. So the end of his work in our lives is good. The end of God's work in our lives is us shaking our heads marveling at the goodness of God. So if you're hurting today, if something has come into your life that has caused pain, maybe it's physical pain, maybe it's emotional pain of the heart, Continue seeking after God because the enemy's going to be in your ear attacking your faith, trying to convince you. Is this not proof that if there's a God, he's not a just God? How can you believe in a just God? This isn't fair. You don't deserve this. How can you believe in a loving God, a good God? You've been serving the Lord and, and this is the thanks you get? If he's a loving God, this could not have happened. Don't listen to Job's wife who said, why don't you just curse God and die? Jesus suffered so much. Think of the degree of pain and anguish, the excruciating pain of the cross. But at this point, he's so glad that he went through that because of all the good that came out of it. Millions and millions of heaven, people in heaven forever, sins paid for and forgiven because of his pain and suffering. And that's what God tells every child of God. Everything is working together for good for those who love God. So keep loving God and seeking God. And you will see how this pain will work itself into something 
good. And you'll be thankful that you went through it. You'll say, now, I don't want to go through it again. (laughs) I didn't like it at the time. But something so good has come out of this. I thank God it happened. God's work isn't finished if you're hurting and you're in pain. If you're not dead, he's not done. (laughs) And he won't be done with the good work he started in your life until he's completed that good work and you're walking around marveling at the goodness of God. Let's take a moment for silent prayer. If there's any scripture that was up on the screen or anything that was spoken to your heart today, Let's just pray it. Let's just pray these things into our lives and into our hearts. Just a moment of silent prayer. Anything else that's on your heart, you just need to give it over to the Lord. Lord, we love praying scripture into our lives. We know that if we pray according to your will, you hear us and we have our request. And we know when we're praying scripture, we're praying in accordance with your will. Lord, we know that sometimes we're doing evil because we didn't set our heart to seek you and we don't have the strength that we need to resist temptation. And so I pray, Lord, for some that this will be a time for pushing the reset button. And we could all, Lord, just reset our hearts to seeking after you more than anything that this world has to offer truly believe that you are all we need.
given your heart over to the Lord, if you've never committed your life to Christ, that you might receive the goodness of the Lord in the form of forgiveness of sin, mercy, grace, full pardon, blot out the record of every sin, received he- receive heaven as a free gift through faith and believing in Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Seek and you shall find. 
Whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. But Isaiah 55, 6 and 7 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Psalm 32, 6. Call upon the Lord while he is near, for surely in a flood of great waters they will not find him. That's a reference to the flood in Noah's day. Noah spent a long time preaching to those people about the love and the mercy and grace and forgiveness of God, and they laughed in his face. All they did was mock him until the rain started to fall and the floodwaters started to rise and the judgment of God came, and then they started crying out for mercy, but it was too late. Call upon the Lord while he is near, surely in a flood of great waters. They will not find him. People who wait until they see Christ coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and then say, uh, I was always planning on uh, accepting you. I was always planning on giving my life to you. It's too late. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. If that's you today, you're ready to give your life to the Lord. You've, you've found out what this world has to offer and it's garbage. It's, as Paul said, a pile of dung compared to the surpassing value of knowing Christ. And now it's your time in your life to know the love God has for you and his goodness in your life. Are you ready to give your life to Christ? Will you pray this prayer with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I have sinned. I have fallen short of your righteousness. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for suffering, dying on the cross to bear the penalty of my sin. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me from the punishment of sin and the torment of hell. I believe in you. I receive you now as my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart. Wash me and cleanse me from all sin. Fill me now with the Holy Spirit Strengthen me that I might live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, Jesus said, you open the door, invite me in, I will come in. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, you opened the door of your heart and Christ came in. Christ dwells within you. You belong to him now, forever. He will never leave you or forsake you. You are clothed in his righteousness. And from this moment on, God will look at you as if you've never sinned. Through the rest of your life and through all eternity, you just made the best deal of your life. You gave Jesus all your sin. He took it and paid for it all. In exchange, he gave you his righteousness, his perfect life. And that is your ticket to heaven, your faith in Jesus. Hold on to your faith. So that Janice and I can keep getting those wonderful praise reports about the amazing work that God is doing here at West Grove. God bless you. Let's stand for a closing song.
Have a great Sunday.